Welcome to another Emergency BX Basketball Podcast. Sadly, this one is not for a trade or something as, as innocent as that. I'm your host, Nick Englander, here with... Christian Okay. And uh, it's a tough one today because, obviously, Pacers all-star Victor Oladipo has been declared out for the season. He has a ruptured quad tendon in his right knee. This something he's been battling all season, his knee issues, and now it has definitely, uh, definitely, definitely gone out on him. Tough break for the Pacers, tough break for the playoffs, the NBA in general, obviously. Uh, the first season-ending injury of any, if I'm correct, of any player this year. I can't think of anyone else, or at least a major one. So I think we should probably just start, you know, with how this affects the Pacers and then how this affects these and how it affects him. Um, first, to give context about this injury, it's very rare in basketball uh, basketball occurrences before this. It only happened to two players notably, and that was Tony Parker and Charles Barkley, and that happened to both when they were older. Yeah. So we, there's no real precedence to this for a younger guy. Um Last night, it happened uh, last night when he the Pacers were playing the Raptors in the game they won um, in the second quarter. They people were saying his knee lo- it looked like his uh, kneecap had actually moved up on. Uh-huh. His yeah, it was not good at all. Um, ironically, it, it's good news is it could have been worse if he had a ruptured patella tendon. That's oh. that's about eighteen month recovery. So. It's brutal injury, no question about it. Um, first, for obviously, best wishes for him. Um, he's, he's he seems like a very, very good guy by all accounts. Um, so I think though we're going to start how this focuses basketball wise on the Pacers. I mean, this pretty much takes them out of any. They weren't really East contender anyway. Everyone kind of knew that, but at the same time, this this puts them in a really difficult spot because they have a lot of expiring contracts now. I believe Carlson, Bogdanovich, and Young are all expiring contracts. So it's going to be tough to decide, hey, to trade for another guy. Like a, like people mentioned Mike Conley as a replacement for him. But the Pacers are going to have so much cap space anyway. Do you want Mike Conley, who's had his own injury issues, to eat that up and is an older guy? Then again, people mentioned Indiana. Not a lot of people want to go there. Um it definitely puts them in a tough spot short term too. They they're not going. They'll probably just start Tyreek Evans now. And don't get me wrong, they have played. They have presence. They played eleven games without Old Depot. I believe they went like eight and three. They played very well, um, but against a lot against a lot of bad teams. And their schedule's been extremely easy so far, and it's going to start to get harder very soon. So Christian, how do you think this affects the Pacers? Well, any chance or hope that they had of making the playoffs, well, not making the playoffs, but any hope or chance they had of being a contending team that just went out the window with this this loss here of Victor Oladipo. And, and I feel bad for the Pacer fans, and this is kind of like what happened last year with KP. If you want to, like, like, losing your face of your franchise for possibly the rest of this year and next year, it sucks. And... You know, I think the Pacers were going to be buyers in in the uh, trade deadline because maybe they felt that Mike Conley could help them maybe get to a second round or maybe an Eastern Conference Finals. And and with the, the Oladipo injury, that probably throws out that option because, I mean, personally, why would they be buyers now? Because their best player is hurt. Um, so it really sucks for them. If I was honestly them, they, their best bet is probably just to play out the season. They'll probably be eliminated in the first round unless they play really hard and – it's tough for them because, again, like you said, all the expiring contracts and yikes, this is just not a good situation. But, but for the for, for the other teams in the Eastern Conference, we're talking about Boston, we're talking about Toronto and Philly. This opens the door for them to obviously probably make deeper playoff runs, and they now might be more buyers versus sellers. Yeah, I think the Celtics aren't going to do anything at the deadline. I still think that, like it, it, at this point, they're thirty and eighteen. I think they're kind of. We'll see how they do. Their next game, obviously, is against Golden State, who has looked amazing since getting Cousins back. And, I mean, looks like an unbeatable team. But, I mean, that's obviously another topic. Um, it definitely it definitely puts – it cuts down the five teamies to four, for sure. It opens up a team like 
the, I mean, a team like the Nets, you could say, who's pretty much locked into the six right now, could move up to the five. But the thing is, you look at Indiana's record; they're in the, they're thirty-two and fifteen. Like, right, they're the third seed. Yeah, they're playing. They're playing extremely well, and it's not. And granted, their schedule was easier. Don't get me wrong, but now it gets harder with Adam. It, like, I'm not really sure where they can go from now. I also think it's going to be a similar situation to the Celtics last year because now a lot of teams are going to want to play Indiana in the first round. You know, yeah. you look at that roster, and honestly. I don't really know who their best player is without Oladipo. I mean, I guess you could say Sabonis or Turner. Um, yeah. Maybe, I mean, Tyreek Evans has been kind of a disappointment for them at times, but it's tough to say. Collison, he's solid. He's not great. Um, Bogdanovich is the same thing. Like, it's, it's definitely put them in a tough spot. So I don't really know if they're going to be buyers now or sellers. Um, and also, we're past, they mentioned today, a lot of teams, you know, when a season-ending injury occurs, they apply for something called the disabled player exception, which gives you a certain amount of money to sign a guy like on a buyout market kind of thing. The Pacers uh, are past that deadline by like a week. So, oh, oh my God, that's just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So now they, 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 I don't really know what they can do. Like, I, I mean, it, it's it's really tough to tell. Like, I I don't think you can trade. I don't think trading for Mike Conley is smart at all. You no. know. And I mean, like, the one maybe positive that could come out of this is that they play Aaron Holiday more and they see what they have out of their first-round pick in Aaron Holiday. And maybe it turns out to be the starting point guard of the future. But other than that, you know, why would you trade for anybody? Because you don't really know how Vic is going to come back next year. He might yeah, not come it, back next year. You don't know. This is a serious, serious injury. And the precedence of these past two guys, Tony Parker and Charles Barkley, is not good. Um, right. but they were older, so we don't, it's, it's hard to tell. They were older guys when they got this. Tony Parker had it a few years ago. Charles Barkley had it like late in his career. He literally only played one game after that. Um, it's, it's, it's really tough to say, um, what, what this does to be the Patriots are, we're always kind of in a weird spot. Um, they're always kind of like with all the cap space they're going to have next year. No one really knew what direction they were going to go, whether they're going to just, decide to blow it up or whether they decide to build on this. Um, but this injury definitely throws a curveball. Um, you mentioned Aaron Holiday. It's a good point. I didn't really think about that. Um, I don't really know what he – no one really knows what he is yet, though. Um, if I'm if I'm the Pacers, though, I it's tough to say. Like, I think now in the first round, you're going to start to see a lot of teams focus more on – but not only getting the Pacers in the first round, but start avoiding other teams at the bottom of these. Like the no one really would want to play the Nets at this point, in my opinion, over the Pacers because the Nets are completely rolling at home and in general. I mean, but speaking of the Nets, I mean they just lost Dinwiddie for well, it was probably gonna be a month and a half today for torn ligaments in his hand. It's not season injury, but it's not good. That kind of flew under the radar, you know, due to Ola Depot's injury. Yeah. Um but it's it's no one really would want to play the Nets in the first round because the Nets are just re- they're they're playing lights out basketball right now. They just humiliated the Celtics a few games ago. Um, they beat Toronto. They beat all these bunch of teams at home. Um, but the Pacers now look like right for the picking. But maybe now on the other hand, like because of that good stretch they had without Oladipo, I believe he missed eleven games beforehand. Uh, maybe the Pacers are going to be fine. Maybe they're still going to be at three or the four. Although I think, I mean, teams are willing to play them in the playoffs and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I just, I don't know, dude. I think that this is, this is such, this is pretty bizarre scenario. It's pretty unprecedented. I, uh, you know, my thing is, you know, like, now that they've lost Oladipo, I mean, they're so far ahead of the conference, talking about their third seed. Would they be willing to, like, I don't want to say tank, but would they be willing to, like, lose a bunch of games and try to not make the playoffs and get a top pick? But I think they're just too far ahead of that to happen. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, if you and remember last year when they traded away PG and they got Oladipo and Sabonis, a lot of people thought this was going to be a rebuilding team, including me. Um, and then they just exceeded expectations last year. And now, again, this year they're doing the same thing, and now you lose your best player. They're kind of stuck in Nirvana here where it's like, do you? what do you do? Because you can't get better, and you can't really get worse from this, you know? So uh, 
I don't really know. I mean, again, trading, does that really work? I don't think so. It's tough. It's really tough because let's say they get to the playoffs and they play well, you know, then the thing is going to be, you know, maybe we don't need Oladipo, you know, although I think they personally do, but still. You know, there was a very interesting tweet a couple of weeks ago. I mean, a couple a couple months ago or about a month ago from a reporter, a random basketball reporter, and they were talking about, you know, Oladipo's knee. And this was prior to the it giving out last night. Um, and they were talking about how he needs potentially the entire season to rehab just from what he had. Like, it was oh. kind of strange. Like, he missed 11 games. That's not nothing, right? And he... And they described it as soreness at first. Then they said he had, like, I think he had ligament issues. And this one source said, like, listen, this it's not good because he could do permanent damage to that knee if he played on it. But he just went out oh. and played on it. Oh. And now this happens. So my question is, did the Pacers mismanage this? Like, is this, uh, is this Isaiah Thomas 2.0 when the Celtics didn't pick up soon enough that it was his hip the problem and not his knee? Or that it wasn't as big, or it wasn't as big an issue as we thought. They sent him back on the court, and now he's done for what's likely going to be the timeline is generally seven, eight months. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. If they knew that he was having ligament issues, personally, if I was a trainer, and even if even if Victor Oladipo was telling me he's fine, he's fine, I would have sat him out for like two months. Or if it was required, I would have sat him out the rest of the year because he is in a way, their franchise player, he's the face of the franchise, and he's still very, he's only 26, he's only 26, so to have this kind of injury, you don't know how he can come back from it, uh, you know, again, the only two other people who got injured, yes, it was Tony Parker and Barkley, and they were older, but they were not, they're not the same players as they once were, I mean, Tony Parker, obviously, he's older, so he's not as fast as he was, but that injury affected him a lot, and Victor Oladipo, part of his game is getting to the rim, and if he's if he comes back and he's not the same player, this might have set this this might have set the Pacers back three to five years, maybe ten, if he doesn't come back healthy. So this is if they mismanage this injury, that's shame on them. I mean, personally, again, like you said, Nick, from that report, if there was signs that he had ligament issues, I would have sat him out for at least two months, two two the rest of the year. I don't care about the playoffs because. Honestly, they're not going to get far in the playoffs anyways, even with Vic. I mean, they might have got to the conference finals, but that's not there. That's not the window you want, you know? So, and, yikes. And I found it. So, it's from a guy named Corey Elliott. He writes for the Indianapolis or the Indy Star uh, and for SB Nation. Um, here's what he said. Here's the exact quote. Sent, it is from December 4th. Sent to me today from someone I consider trustworthy to be trustworthy as far as sources go. He, Oladipo, needs months to recover without ruining his kneecap forever. Slow stretching, gradual rebuilding. If he wants to come back 100%, he'll sit out the rest of the season. That does not sound like a small injury at all. Oh. You know, that's, that sounds like they, they, if maybe the Patriots had a different diagnosis, but if that was what this guy thinks, and this guy's not just a national reporter. This guy writes for the Indianapolis Star. This guy's right, you know, he's a beat reporter, it looks like. Right, he's got inside information. Yeah, then the Pacers deserve, again, I'm not going to make judgments yet, but if they knew, the Pacers deserve a ton of blame for what possibly could have been really their own faults. And now Oladipo, I'd be stunned if he's back by training camp next year. I don't think that's a possibility at all. Maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe it is. I don't know. But, like, it's just he, – he's a guy, like you said, that relies on athleticism. He's, that's, what his, that's probably his biggest strength, his ability, you know, to be shifty, to jump, to jump out of the gym. Like, he's greatly improved in other areas, but that's his main strength. And now he's – he might lose some of it, and that's going to be really detrimental to him. Look at how, like I said, players like Paul George and Gordon Hayward, look at how they looked in the beginning. They look slow. They don't look as athletic. They just and this this I don't know. I think it's 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 a really unique situation. That's why I wanted to do emergency podcast on this because right, right. this is this is pretty unprecedented as far as the NBA goes in terms of how this affects a team. Like you said, this may set them back so far with all their expiring contracts. 
I, it, I don't, they can go in any direction now. When it seemed like before, their direction was we're going to go forward with this team and slowly build. Now, can you do that? I mean, can you can't really move Oladipo now. No, do, yeah. Can you, move, yeah, can you move other guys? I don't really know. It's a tough thing to say. So I think it's going to be very interesting around the trade deadline in a couple of weeks. But I'm going to be at UMass Amherst during that, visiting nice. a friend. So I'll I'll be I'll be following on my phone because I won't have class, um, but uh, and on my computer. But I think it will obviously have an emergency pod on that, or not even an emergency pod, just pod. Um, but let's so let's talk. I guess now, like you mentioned, we should probably talk about how, how this affects the NBA and specifically the Eastern Conference as a whole. I've kind of alluded right. to this before, um, but I think what this means is that teams are going to jockey now to play them in the first round. And it's not fair to them, but I think that's just going to be how it is. You know, I think the Celtics are sitting at five now. The Phillies sitting at four. I think the Celtics are going to see that, want to see them in round one. I think they wanted to see them anyway, but now I think they really want to see them in round one. Um, uh, Philly probably wants to as well. Um, I think, you know, Toronto was hope probably is now hoping that they fall into those bottom three spots. But I mean, those, Besides the net, it really one through six are so much better record wise than seven and eight. And yeah. so I'm not really sure what direct, what, you know, teams are going to do now to jockey for that position. Tank, literally, I don't know. It's a tough thing to say. Kind of like how, like, when the Cavs kind of let the Celtics get the one seed in 2017 because they didn't want to play the Wizards in round two. Right. Um, that, that, they want uh, and the Celtics did, then you know that could happen. I'm not totally sure, but at the very least, we know this means the Pacers are probably just done. They might still win a few games, they might still get a top four seed if they're lucky, but I don't know. It seems like it's, it's especially with the meat of their schedule coming up, like the real tougher part, it doesn't seem like they're going to last. And I'm going to guess, assuming you know, all kind of stays the same in terms of teams' play. I'm going to give them the five. I don't think they're. I don't think the Nets are going to catch them because the Nets had yeah. such a bad start to the season. But I do think that the Pacers are. They're the team that everyone wants to play now in round one. Right. Um. Well, right now they're the third seed, and Philly is a couple of games behind them for four. Well, for three. So here's what I think is going to happen. I think Philly is going to surpass them as the three seed. So if I think Philly's going to be three, and I think the Pacers will probably drop to five. I see Boston being four, and that's perfect for them because then they would play Pacers in the first round and easily beat them. And then they play the Bucks in the second round if the Bucks can stay at one and they avoid Toronto until the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think that's preferable for the Celtics. Um, but I think if you're the Nets, I don't think the Nets – I mean, they're playing great right now, and I hate to say that because I hate the Brooklyn Nets. Screw them. Um, but, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I, I think – Maybe the Nets can move up to maybe the Nets can move up to five, and the Pacers could drop to six. But they're thirty-two and fifteen. They they'd have to play so bad. I, I think I think they'll probably be the five seed, like you said, Nick. They'll probably play Boston as the four seed, unless Boston gets to three. But I think I think if you're Boston, you probably want to play the Pacers in the first round, and hope the Bucks get the number one seed, and then you play them in the second round, and then you get the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. If if to me that would be the that would be the plan for the Celtics to get to the NBA Finals, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule too, and I'll get to the Celtics and and I agree with a lot of what you said in uh, in a second. But their next six seven games are uh, really I'm gonna go like ten ish now as far as ready. Mm-hmm. At Memphis is their next game. That's on Saturday. Then at home against Golden State. Uh, at Washington, at Orlando on a back-to-back, at Miami, at New Orleans versus the Lakers. LeBron will probably be back by then versus mm-hmm. the Clippers. That's not an easy stretch at all. And to come, you know, right off the whole, you know, right, right off this injury, it's not going to be an easy fix. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to be the five or the four. And I think, but I think you're right. I think the Celtics kind of now look at this situation and say we're pro- we're we're just too far out from the one seed. There's no way we- unless we make an amazing run that we're going to get the one or the two. So let's go for you know 
four or five, likely four or five. And like you said, I think they're thinking the same way. I think Toronto thinks the same way too. I don't think Toronto wants to play the Celtics until round three because Toronto just can't win in Boston. They just can't do it. You know, it's really just been like, it's like, it's like the boogeyman for them. LeBron used to be their boogeyman for every game, but their new boogeyman, I guess, is them trying to win. (laughs) Yeah. Kyrie Irving down the stretch against them just completely torches them every time, at least in Boston. I mean, Toronto, they beat us that one time and they, it was really more Kawhi's night. Um, but I think, yeah, I think this is going to be really tough for the Pacers to survive this. They do have a pretty easy stretch in the middle of February. February. Um, but then, ooh, March, March, they have a road trip. Listen to this, ready? It's around spring break for us. Um, mm-hmm. Home again. Well, right before the right before the whole road trip, they go to Milwaukee, then to Philly, oh. then. They host the Knicks and the Thunder, and then it gets awful. Then it goes Denver, Portland, Clippers, Golden State, all on the road. And then hosting Denver at Oklahoma City at Boston. Like, that is... They could lose probably all those games. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know about the Knicks, but they could probably lose. Right, besides Dallas. Right, right. I mean, you don't know. The Knicks Knicks beat the Lakers. Well, LeBron wasn't playing, but still. They're erratic as hell. Yeah, they beat us too. God, I was at that game. Can't believe that. Um, yeah, I just think I think if you're the East now, it's it's pretty simple. Um, I'm gonna I I do. Here's one thing I do question: what how much what are their trade calls going to be like? Is like Kevin because Kevin Pritchard is their GM. Um, is he going to be getting trade calls for his own guys? Like, are there going to be like people calling saying, "Hey"? We need frontline help. Can we get Thaddeus Young? You know. Yeah, I mean, right. Well, Thad has one year on his contract, so that would be a reasonable trade. Would people call for like Sabonis? Personally, if I was them, I wouldn't trade Sabonis. But no, no point. I think he's on his rookie deal, isn't he? I think so. He got drafted after KP, and KP is restricted this year, so I think he has another year. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Two, he makes two. Yeah, he's he's on his rookie deal. Yeah, no point. Miles Turner, same thing. He's on his rookie deal. I think I think he was drafted the same year as Kristaps, wasn't he? No, the year after. Um. So yeah, no point in moving those two guys. Um. You know, probably Miles Turner. Yeah, I'd probably say Sabonis or Miles Turner is their best player now without uh, Oladipo. Um. The guys I can see them being. They trade Derrick Collison, maybe. My question is, you're so low. Like, they have Corey Joseph behind him, so he's a pretty capable backup. But Darren Carlson makes 10 mil. Bojan Bogdanovic makes about 10 and a half. Um, I mean, I don't know what they can do. This is just such a strange situation. And I think everyone everyone is saying Mike Conley, right? Everyone. And I'm like, is they Mike can't, Conley? They can't now. Now they can't. If they had Oladipo, I would say yes, because that would be interesting. But... What's the point of getting Mike Connolly? Well, he's not going to get you any further than Vic was going to. And they could match fairly easily if they wanted to, because they can offer three expiring contracts. They can offer Bogdanovich, Collison, Evan. But I don't think, first of all, I don't think Conley, like, I know they have that recent report, obviously from ESPN, that, you know, that they're trying to move uh, Conley, and, or they're not trying, they're listening to offers for Conley and, Gasol, and I think I think they move Gasol before they move Conley, but I think that there's, yeah, there's not a lot they can do, and they also don't have a lot of assets in general besides expiring contracts. They pretty much have cap space. I don't know contract. It's tough to say. Some people want them to bring back Lance Stevenson. Um, I know that's not gonna happen. Yeah, uh, no, no. I, I, I mean. Yeah, I think that on the whole, it's going to be a scenario, uh, drawing this back to Celtics, where I think the Celtics are going to look and see Toronto at two and Bucks at one. And I told you, my brothers and I have had arguments about this, about who would you rather play. And I get it that, you know, Toronto just doesn't win in Boston. They never, they just never do. Or it feels like they never do. Um, I think that they're going to duck them. I think they're going to be like, I think both teams are going to try to duck each other, kind of like Cleveland 
uh, did to Washington. I think they're going to do the exact same thing. And I think that, um, yes, Boston, we're creeping up on Philly. Don't get me wrong. We almost passed them, or at least got within a half game of them if the Spurs hadn't blown like an eight-point lead with like two minutes left last night right. in Philly. Right. They're only but, two and a half. Two and a half back of the Sixers, so. Yeah. Well, no, I think the Celtics are one and a half back of the Sixers, aren't they? Uh, uh, I don't know. I can't do math. 3.5 and 5. Is that one and a half? Yeah, it's one, it? that's one and a half. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a math major. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think this is what I've been saying the whole time. Since it looks like, you know, one seat's out of the question and all that. I think, and granted, the Celtics... I've said the last two years, they've gotten the best seeding possible. They really have. My, well, maybe not the best last year because the Bucks round one was not the best they could have done. But they, they could have the finals, man. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it, they, they ducked Cleveland when everyone was like, get the one seed, get the one seed. I'm like, no, you do not want to face Cleveland in round one. You want to face Philly. And I was like, Philly had that great winning streak. And I'm like, they beat terrible teams. Like, <laughs> Like right. you'd rather play Philly than LeBron James. You should know this by now. Um, I don't know. It's it's. If I had to guess, if I had to put a guess, what happens right now? We're gonna hit around the ten game left stretch, right? And Philly's gonna be sitting, and Boston are gonna be sitting about the same record. And I think that the Celtics are going to look at their kind of potential opponent with the Pacers and they're going to sit Kyrie a bunch and they're going to sit Horford and they're going to maybe sit Tatum a little too and Gordon Hayward and just be like fuck it we're playing the Pacers in round one we are not facing the Raptors in round two you know like it's I I think that's kind of the move they're going to make um I also think you mentioned other teams I think this makes teams more buyers for sure I think Philly Philly is going to be the biggest buyer in the market. I think people aren't talking enough about Philly, but I think they're going to be a huge buyer and come around the trade deadline, especially now with the Pacers out of the way. Who, by the way, with Oladipo, they smoked them in Indiana a couple of nights ago. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that I think that they were going to look for bench help. I think if you're Toronto, Toronto badly needs a second score. I think the fact that Serge Ibaka is their second leading scorer is incredibly concerning right now if you're a Raptors yeah. fan. Kawhi really is – that's what teams are going to do. Teams are going to do what the Celtics did to them both times, and that is they're going to sit back on all their shooters and make Kawhi score 80, you know, to beat them. Not saying can't. I mean, he's ridiculous. But, you know, um, the Bucks are definitely going to be a buyer now that they are a contender. Um, and especially, I, I think the Bucks didn't want to face the Pacers. I, I mean, I get it. They, I think they beat them once early in the year, but they, they struggle against the Pacers a lot. So I think just, even though they were like the kind of the team no one took seriously, I think this just heightens the, the arms race even more. Right. You know, what's interesting. I could see one team being a buyer and they might shoot up the Eastern conference standing. It's the Hornets because, yeah. because, you know, they're trying to please Kemba, too, because, you know, although we heard reports today, I saw reports saying Kemba still said he wants to stay. I don't believe these players until I see free agency happen. Um, if you want Kemba to really stay, you go and pursue maybe a Marcus Gasol, and that might shoot you up a couple of spots because, I mean, you know, they, you never know. Maybe they get Marcus Gasol, they don't get up too much, they make a little run, they get past the Nets, you never know. They might have to play the Pacers. Let's say the Pacers stay at the three seed and the Hornets move up to the six seed. That's an easy win for them. They move on to the second round, you know? Definitely. And I think that the, you know, I was, I was in class when that kind of came out, the whole, you know, the ESPN story that said, you know, that they're now listening to offers. Um, first off, I mean, I guess we can talk about this for a bit, but I was ecstatic because, you know, the Celtics have that pick. Their and pick, on, right. Yeah, yeah, getting and, better. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, it, it, it's got the protection. You know, it's top eight this year, top six the year after, and then unprotected three years from now. Like, that pick, I, everyone thought the Kings pick was going to be our best pick. I think at this point it's the Grizzlies pick. And and if they trade Conley and Gasol, that pick is, is that's money, you know? Like, that pick, teams are going to look at that and say that's a potential top five pick for sure because all they really have is, the, is Jaron Jackson, and they're a terrible franchise that has never drafted well. So... 
I mean, they've it's funny. They have the former Celtics GM Chris Wallace, who is who was fired before we hired Danny Ainge. And Chris Wallace is he's a complete bum, but he was kind of known for. Uh, he made that. He made a. Man, I forgot the one move he made that everyone hated, and everyone like hated him for it. That Patino traded Chauncey Billups from the Celtics. That was the worst. But uh. <laughs> he traded Chauncey, and then he faked that he was going to draft Tracy McGrady that same draft, and then drafted Ron Mercer. Um, <laughs> but, oh but I think I think that I think yeah I, th- I think that, that 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 pick is gold. But I think if Yes, I think Charlotte becomes a buyer now. I think the Nets could become a buyer. I don't think the Nets want Conley, but maybe if they figure that, you know, hey, you know, we, we're not getting a free agent without getting another guy into our max cap space, maybe we can get Mike Conley, hopefully convince a, I don't know, Jimmy Butler per se, you know, to come. I'm seeing people say Kevin Durant wants to go play with them, and I no. maybe. <laughs> I just straight up I, no. No, I, no, okay. <laughs> People, it's just people. I I I like the Nets, but they're just never going to be the Knicks with culture. You know, they're just never going to be that. Like, it, and this is a Celtics fan saying that I'm not. <laughs> when I say these things, I'm not saying these things to be insulting to Brooklyn, but it's true. No one cares about the Nets. I'm sorry. Yeah. By the way, uh, just great tweet just popped up on my timeline. Uh, do you, John Morant, who I guess is a projected top five pick for Murray State. Um. Uh. He. Whoa. He just got hurt. Oh, great. Um. But apparently, Danny Ainge is at his game, and someone commented, "Uh, uh the Pelicans told Danny they are interested in John Moran." <laughs> <I see. laughs> oh my God. No question about the Anthony Davis thing. Are the Pelicans going to be buyers because they they are also trying to plead Anthony Davis? And I think Mike Conley there. Maybe even Marcus Saul. That you got to really watch out for that. I mean, listen, I don't. We have no idea what's going to go. Like this trade deadline could be. Comp- Danny Ainge said recently he thinks it's going to be a low key one. Um, and he's generally been pretty good at predicting. But then last last year was just insanity. You know, last year the Cavs just trade burned the roster to the ground. <laughs> right. They they did a two K trade, man, where they just literally traded everybody. Didn't they tra- how many they trade seven guys, I think, right? Seven of them. Derrick Rose, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Shumpert. Dwayne Wade, right? Shumpert. Channing uh, Fry. Channing Fry. <laughs> We're probably missing like three others. Yeah, it was about like eight or nine people. <laughs> GM, GM LeBron. Uh, but yeah, I, I, point is this Oladipo Depot injury, people are gonna be like, Yeah, it's a knock it there. But I honestly think like it just changes because this was kind of a iffy market as to who's a buyer, who's the seller. I think the only clear sellers were the Knicks, um, right. the Cavs, the, Hawks. Cavs, the yeah. Hawks. Yeah, like teams like that. Now everyone in the East is going to be a buyer because they're going to look at that Pacers team and say they they see an easy path to the second round. You know, they look at that and say, okay, we can definitely get the second round. Now another team we haven't talked about who's definitely a buyer who we haven't mentioned because they're a dumb team and they continue to be the Wizards. The Wizards are definitely going to be a buyer at the trade deadline. They're not going to be a seller. I don't care what people say. When their owner come out and say comes out and says after they remember the the goal ten game against the Knicks, they they ask him, you know, are you going to be a buyer or seller? And he's like, we never tank. And yada, I'm like, you're an idiot, but (laughs) well that's the one injury we forgot about John Wall. Is her for the rest of the year, but oh, if I was right. them, he's probably the only other person who we could think of. I mean, I guess you count KP, but there's hopes that KP can come back. Um, if you're the Wizards, though, I mean, you still have John Wall's egregious contract, which is going to take take hit next year. You have Bradley Beal. They hate each other, which I still don't know why they're playing with each other. And you have Otto Porter's horrific max contract. And I'm hearing reports that, you know, or at least I've seen it online, that people are trying to trade for Otto. So, I mean, they're the 10 seed. So, you know, if they win, like, four games in a row, they might jump past the Heat. But what is your window there? You know, what is your window in your ceiling if you're the Wizards? They should be sellers. If they're buyers, they're stupid. They don't have cap space for it anyways, but still. Well, we talked about it. So many NBA teams are dumb. I mean, and you know what? 
I think too, people are going. People look at the Pacers as a model for a low-cost team. Like you want to talk about, you know, we talk about Moneyball and the idea of analytics and sports. Like the Pacers took about six guys on that Moneyball-ish spectrum into their roster for nothing. You know, Bogdanovich, Collison, Young. Um, I'm forgetting guys too. Uh, not Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans wasn't one of those guys. But like they were talking about, like they're low cost guys, you know, that just kind of are good. They're not great. They're not going to win you playoff games very often, but they get you to the playoffs. This is what kind of analytics is trying to be. Um, right. And that's what the Pacers are, and that's what teams are trying to emulate now because they don't have to tank to do it. Like look at the Sacramento Kings who don't have their pick, like we've mentioned. They. Right. Look at the guys they've really, if you really look at who they signed, who they have, they've definitely transitioned more into what the analytics say, which is don't slow the ball down, push it. They like fast paced, three point shooting, yada, yada. They've drafted Bogdanovich and Fox, who were, I believe, were analytics guys and not in Lonzo. I didn't go for Alonzo Ball, didn't go for a guy like that who were not, um, I mean, not, not Alonzo Ball, um, Markel Fultz. Uh, they right. weren't. Apparently they were huge on Fox and the other Bogdanovich, who I guess is not related to the other one. Um, but I'm saying is this kind of puts a dent in that model, right? It kind of goes kind of when everyone was tanking or Golden State in Cleveland, and everyone was like, "Oh, the Pacers! Look at how fun they are!" This kind of also pushes this kind of back to, "Well, now you're screwed if you do this model, and one injury happens, and you have nothing, and you have no assets." Exactly. Which is why, you know, like, tanking is also an art form because you have to do it in a way where you can still assure yourself of the future. Um, for instance, like, even though the Sixers, it took them a long-ass time to be good, the way they were tanking, and they, were, they had so many picks, and similar to the Celtics with what they did with the Nets, the way they, they tanked but were able to get stuff and they're still reaping the benefits of some things. They still have future assets. Um... So, like, you have to tank right. And, and again, if you're a team that, for instance, we're going to use the Wizards. I'll use the Wizards as an example. You're a team that you know your ceiling. You know what you have. You should probably move on from it. If you're trying to be delusional and, and, and trying to, like, make it seem like you have more than you have, you got to just get rid of everybody, you know? Like, teams like the Wizards, the Pistons are another team where, you know, they're kind of stuck in this mediocre land where they can't really do much. Miami is another team where, like, they just gave a bunch of terrible contracts to people, so now they're screwed because they're, they're not good enough to be champions. They're not bad enough to suck, you know? So it's like, we're going to see what's going to happen here. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it definitely just, it just sucks, but it changes the league. Like, injuries like this change the league. Like, Gordon Hayward's injury changed the East last year because everyone else tried to become a buyer. Toronto became a buyer. Philly became a buyer. Um, uh, who else am I? I'm forgetting. The Cavs. The Cavs. Cavs. <laughs> Cavs weren't a buyer. They were, they were, they were dumpster fire. <laughs> like, that, that injury changed kind of the complexity. The Celtics almost were a buyer. We almost got Ty- just like Philly. We almost got Tyree Gavins, and the brilliant management of the Grizzlies were like, "No, we'll just resign him instead of trading him." And then they lost him. Um, but it, it, injuries like this—they don't change the league, not just by their own team. They change the league in terms right. of how they think of their team with their chance, you know. And how this is going to change the East is. Five through eight are now going to become buyers, and I think personally, and and they also look at teams like you know I don't want to say the Bucks and the Raptors, but they're going to look at Philly and Indiana and be like, you know, like are they really unbeatable? Like Philly is a ton of talent, but do they all work all the time? No, I mean let's face it, the Spurs are a pretty bad road team, and they should have beaten them last night, and it. it, it I don't know. I, I think that now, instead of being a seller's market last year, or it was expected to be a seller's market last year, it's a total buyer's market now. And now I think teams like the Knicks are going to benefit a lot from this because they may have a report that... Go ahead, sorry. 
I was going to say, yeah, like teams like the Hawks and the Cavs and the Knicks, n- now guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, maybe J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, now teams are going to want these guys because, you know, for instance, I'm not going to say the Sixers are going to trade for, for Tim Hardaway Jr., but they could use like a 20-point-per-game score. He's not going to average that, but he can help them out a shit ton. They don't have scoring. They don't have three-point shooting, and Timmy is a good three-point shooter. If the Pacers decide to go in, uh, we're going to stay competitive direction too. Tim Hardaway Jr. could be routed there, and right. and or Courtney Lee. I mean, he, I don't think Courtney. Well, maybe Courtney Lee. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's the Pacers are in such a unique spot. Like they they they. Ha- this is not the Celtics last year where you were like, all right, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they're going to get a lot of reps, and Kyrie Irving is going to run the team, and Al Horford is going to. We're just going to hope to survive this, you know, and then it turned out to be way better than it was because everyone overachieved. Um, this is a situation where it was already an overachieving team that has no other star, has a lot of depth and a lot of good players. So on paper, you think they can survive this maybe, but once the playoffs hit, everyone's going to be like, oh, I can't wait to play the Pacers, you know, because once the effort level picks up, the Boston's, Toronto's, Milwaukee's, Phillies of the world are going to hit another level and Indiana is going to stay the same because they already are just kind of that try-hard team. I, I, it, it's a, that's why I think you need a Tim Hardaway if you're going to stay competitive. Or not, Courtney Lee's just not going to create it on offense. So I guess Tim Hardaway is a logical player to pick. They could go to the buyout market, but they can only offer the minimum, so I can't really see who they get. I mean... On the buyout market, the only guy I can see, it's kind of funny though, it'd be possible. Mello. Be, not Mello, no. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Canner, speaking of the Knicks. Oh, well, you know, yes, if, well, again, you know, you're seeing the reports that Canner's upset about not playing, and they're either mm-hmm. going to trade him or buy him out. And the thing is, they, they, if they trade him, they're not, they're not going to want to take back salary. So it would have exactly. to be like a one. To be like a, another person who has a one-year deal, or they're probably just gonna buy him out, honestly. And he could help out the Pacers. Um, he's a good scorer. I mean, he could score. So you never know. Well, I mean, I don't know. Is that fit? Maybe the Bucks the, the cancer too, though. You never know, man. I don't know. Who knows? The Bucks. Bucks is yeah, interesting. Yeah. Remember, I, he was gonna sign with them in the offseason before he re he re uh, signed with the Knicks. Um, he could have been a nice like. You know, post score for them. That's the one thing they've been lacking for a long time. Um, obviously, Brooke Lopez has filled in that role really nice for them. He's also a three point shooter, but maybe they get the extra depth. You never know. Yeah, I think the Bucks are an interesting spot. I think, I mean, we talk about the Knicks too, and how since now everyone's going to be buyers. I think another guy to watch out for is Vonleh, and I think a right. lot of people really. I I've been. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I keep telling me, oh, he's my Facebook friend because he's from Massachusetts. And I was just like, all right, suggested friend. And I mean, no, I remember I looked him up like recruiting wise and they're like, oh, he's this five star prospect from Haverhill. And I had some shared Facebook friends with him. I think some kids from my high school play basketball. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll friend him. That's <laughs> like, I was like, all right, it'd be a cool story to tell people if he's in the league. And now he is. Um, and I tell people, um, but he's had a very good season. And. At this point, if you want to talk about a player that could help the Pacers too, they don't have a very athletic front court outside of Turner. So I could see Vonleh going there. Uh, if you want to talk about other teams, I, I mean, other players that uh, could, Knicks could move to benefit. I mean, Moutier First, is. Yeah. Who? Please, please trade Moutier for God's sake. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the fact that they play Moutier more than Frank, and I understand Frank is struggling, but Moutier. Moutier is like Derrick Rose, except a worse version, where he can't make any layups. He gets to the paint and misses layups. I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, Emmanuel Moutier is one of the bigger busts in NBA history. If you're, well, not NBA history, but he's one of the bigger busts. You know, yeah, in NBA history, he's a top five pick. And if you want to know what's amazing looking back on is remember when everyone booed the Porzingis pick. I don't really know how – I never really asked you how you reacted to when they drafted Porzingis, but I think that – Everyone in New York wanted them to pick Moutier, and they picked Porzingis, and everyone was like, are you kidding me? Um, but now— 
I mean, like, you know, I was personally hoping for D'Angelo Russell, but the Lakers took him. And then and then I was like, I guess Okafor, and then the Sixers took him. And then I was like, who the fuck are we going to take with this pick? And they and they picked Porzingis, and I just screamed, oh, my God, we took the European. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't upset, though, because I knew the potential he had. I, like, I saw that. I was like, this kid is pretty decent. I thought it was going to take him, like, three to four years to be what he was last year, but you saw how fast he developed. Um, yeah, but, I just... yeah. Trash. Another guy, to, another team that's just going to be a seller too. That I think would be interesting to look out for is the uh, the Suns. Uh, the Suns what? are Suns you know, are an interesting spot. They could who who do they have on their team? Josh Jackson's been a bust. I could see them moving him. Um, who else do you maybe, think? Maybe. Uh, you know what's crazy? I can see them being buyers. I can see them going after Dennis Smith Jr. to pair him up with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Okay, that's I didn't really think about that. I mean, I, I guess well, I don't know what Dennis Smith is such a weird spot because they were like, we're going to move him, and now they're like, no, we're not, and then they're like, I think they went into it thinking they were going to get a haul for him, and they haven't realized he's been inefficient as crap, you know, inefficient as shit, and right. and and you want to know what's funny? People forget the Celtics almost they were considering drafting him that year, and he had two workouts for the Celtics. Danny Ainge really liked him, apparently. Um, I was surprised. I thought his fit with Luca was going to be better than it was. Because I kind of thought the fire and ice kind of, you know, one's an athletic driver. The next one is, uh, the, the other one is Luca, the skilled guy. And it just really hasn't worked at all. Right. Personally, I think, you know, obviously you, you saw the comment that Ricardo Lyle said how he's an amazing person. Or whatever. I think that's just. I think that's just him trying to boost up Dennis Smith's trade value so they can get rid of him. I. I don't think they can. I don't think there's any way to rectify this relationship. I mean, you basically tell the guy to go home, and he's and he literally does stay home. He's not even injured. <laughs> he wants to play. He wants to play. I mean, if what could they truly get for DSJ? I don't really know. I mean, he's. It's not like it's not like you're trading for a guy who's in his prime. You know, he's what a. 20 year old who still has a lot a lot of room to grow yeah i mean he's a young guy yeah what's the realistic expectation there for a trade i mean maybe a first round pick i I don't know yeah i i I think you can get a first firm at this point i think some teams willing to do that but they were talking like a lottery pick and i'm like no you're not getting a lottery pick for him at very least a late lottery you know, someone mentioned we should tra- the Celtics should trade Jalen Brown for him, and I'm like, no, like, no. like, 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 dude. First off, Jalen Brown has actually been pretty damn good these past few weeks. Like, he's getting back to where he was last year. You know, he's playing harder. He's making more threes. Seems like he's getting healthier too. He had a hand injury earlier in the year, um, and, and you could definitely see him taking a step forward from where he was. Terry Rozier is. A gotten a little better too but he couldn't go anywhere but up he was so awful um right. <laughs> uh, damn <laughs> but no he, oh god You're right though he's been playing very bad and this is contract year too yeah he, he, be- he had uh he had 20 he think he had 22 last night though yeah he had 22 on 9 of 13 shooting he was very good can't complain the good bounce back game i mean Kyrie and horford rested and you know killed the caps but i mean it's the Cavs. So right, they have nine wins, man. Nine wins. My God. <laughs> All right. I think we'll I think we'll end this there. I think we kind of cut touched on the basics. I think if we had to summarize is the Pacers are screwed. Uh, right. there's they can go any direction now. Um now everyone in the East is a buyer, except like the Knicks and a few other teams in the bottom, like the Hawks and the Bulls. Um and I, I just think it kind of reaffirms more what could be – I mean, I know I keep saying this every year. We expect an active trade deadline. It never is. But, you know, maybe – God damn, I'm getting suckered into it. Maybe this is what we think it's going to be and that every freaking team in the East is going to be picking off some bench guy from the Knicks and the Bulls, and they're going to, you know, use him on whatever playoff run because they're like, Indiana's out of the way. We get them in round one. We'll easily beat them. Hopefully, a sweep. You know, get some rest. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess that's pretty much it. And and uh, the Knicks probably honestly benefit more from this, even though they won't say it. 
let's hope so. We need to get rid of these contracts. <laughs> I mean, before we leave today, I think there was a report talking about how was it one? I think Steve Mills or Scott Perry said that they wanted to move one or the other of Hardaway or Lee, which it's going to be... Okay, now the New York Times said uh, the Knicks have made Tim Hardaway Jr. accordingly available via trade be, uh, in advance of the trade deadline February 7th, according to three uh, people familiar with the team's stance. Okay, so, I mean, everyone already knew that, but... I mean, one or the other, or yeah, they said Hardaway or Lee's. So they might, they might. Thing is, if they can't trade Lee, they might buy him out. But then they might have to buy out Cancer. So I don't know if you can do that. And you can't so, buy out Lee. You can't do it because he's got two years left on his deal. No one accepts a buyer with two years left because it's financially disadvantageous for them. You know, right. like it. I, with, I, with uh, Canner, you can definitely probably do it. I mean, he gets paid a lot, yeah. but he, he has one year left because of his opt-in. So I think right. uh, that'll be easy. But Hardaway and Lee, that's the problem. And I think if, if I'm the Knicks, I'm like blowing the Pacers phone off the hook saying, you want Hardaway, don't you? Yeah. Right. Lee's got you know, damn it. <laughs> the, thing with, the thing with Lee is like I could see them packaging him with like Noah Von Lee for another team because it's just like an added sweetener like hey you also get a shooting guard if you want <laughs> 13 million a year <laughs> just take it please what is it according to Lee's probably just you know, he's probably all he's probably done this season is sat on the bench and you know probably play, gone into Florida a couple times played golf you know gotten out of shape <laughs> something like that yeah all right well that is that is it for the BX Basketball Podcast Emergency, uh, sadly injury edition Emergency Injury Podcast and how it affects the league. For my uh, co-host, Colin, you know I'm going to let you sign off. Why did I do that? You say, it, Christian. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Here, here. My name is Christian Okay, and I'm here with Nick Englander. <laughs> We'll see you guys next time. Hopefully, it'll be a really good trade deadline because we have a bunch of shit to talk about. We'll see you guys in the next one.